Hello and welcome to End on End. I'm Brian. I'm Scott S. And I am Scott number H. <laughs> As I referred to you earlier, yes. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a pleasure to be uh, in the company of so many Scots, a Scott sandwich, yes. if you will. It's got to be a Gen X party, doesn't it? Because all, all the Scots are Gen Xers, right? Uh, yeah, we're it's kind of a ex, ex, rapidly. This is a name that's becoming extinct. It's really weird. Oh yeah, yeah. Nobody. Yeah. No. Nobody. Yeah. 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 But, reason, but, yeah. but it's well, like, but it's fine. I'm fine with it. Like I don't. <laughs> right, and uh, you know, no pressure, Brian. But next kid, maybe Scott. Yeah, maybe you could bring it back from yeah. the brink. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. See what I can do, guys. Keep pumping them out. Uh, <laughs> I actually don't have any more kids. You've done <laughs> oh, <thanks. laughs> yeah. Here we go. It's already starting. All right. So what are we talking about today? We're talking about Discord number 78, Lungfish Rainbows from Adams. Exactly. I'm excited for this one. As Ben said last episode, uh, this is kind of a crossover episode for me with my other podcast. I'm about to hit the same record over there. Anyhow, it'll be a pleasure to talk about it with you gents. But before we do, we uh, like to BS and say what we've been checking out, what's been inspiring us, what we've been up to. So why don't we start with the newest Scott? Me? Yes. I was on before Scott. I was on, I was on before I know. Scott, I was like. thinking about that as I said it. You actually technically were um, on before. I don't know. If I, yeah, yeah I, didn't have a, I didn't have any uh, prep for this. I can't look up a bunch of really obscure <laughs> Mark things. Um, so I, <laughs> uh, what's at the forefront for me right now is kind of interesting. Cause I, I have a 19 year old daughter who um, it, it, it's kind of only recently been a thing that we're like kind of tight um, when she was a younger teenager, we, we weren't that close, but we're pretty close now. And I think she's finally accepting that I'm like super cool, super cool. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Um, but anyway, so she's interested in my input and things. And she had asked me to make her some playlists on Spotify. And I don't oh, know wow. what prompted it, but she said, I really want to hear some like 90s, like kind of woman adjacent rock music that sent me down some rabbit holes that I haven't been down in a long time because I wanted to I wanted to make her like a really excellent list. I, I ended up at Pixies first, which I haven't paid attention to the Pixies in a long time. I, I went and saw them on one of their legacy tours 10 years ago or something and was like, <laughs> OK, that's enough, like forever. Yeah, but yeah. I actually have enjoyed it. And that sent me down a breeder's rabbit hole and that sent me down like a throwing muses rabbit hole. Mm, um, nice, yeah. And um I've really been enjoying that. Yeah. Like throwing muse is so good. Like, yeah. Un um, so underrated. Totally underrated. A band's band, I guess, of True. the time. You know, I feel like my girlfriend in college was really into them. And like, maybe I heard of it then. But um, so that's where I've been at in this weird kind of 90s uh, thing. No, um, that, that's great. I love hearing that. I had a similar experience with one of my boys and I'm still holding out hope on the other one. Every now and then, every now and then, there'll you know, be a band that kind of crosses our, both our uh, interests. But I've always, I've always accepted that my taste in music is not necessarily good. It's just, it's just is what it is. It's yours. Yeah. Um. So, you know, I never expected my kids to like the same bad things that I like. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm gonna pull up this playlist real quick. So, yeah, it's like uh, there's Elasticas on the air and La Tigra and that dog. I love that dog. Oh, you know that yeah. band. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, um, Craig Wedren uh, produced something of theirs, like one of the records, I think. Oh really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a great band. Yeah, and like Slater Kenny. I didn't. 
I didn't I didn't think she was ready or I didn't put like bikini, bikini kill on kill. there. I went like, <laughs> it's just you know it's too like it's a little too um yeah too too hard hard edged for her taste, but um we'll get there. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that, that's a good project and a good reason to have one. That's cool. Oh, for sure, and um and yeah, the breeders are kind of back. Yeah, yeah, they are. Yeah, yeah. on our Discord, there's been much a buzz about them. Oh um, yeah. Did she give you any feedback yet? Oh yeah, I mean, she basically was just like, I listen to it all the time. Like, I haven't even. She was like, I don't listen to it and look at it, so I don't even know what I'm listening to. Because <laughs> I've been like, though. if you tell me what you like, I can kind of spider <laughs> off and you know get more somehow drill down a little more. You end up but, at Captain uh, Beefheart somehow. <laughs> <laughs> I just send her a can mix or something, and she's there like, "What go. the hell are you doing?" Um, <laughs> cool. That's anyway. really good. Nothing but, new in that regard, yeah. but no, that's good choices. And before we move on, anything you want to plug for your, I don't know. <laughs> for your own, I mean, what? own band? That's thing? not why I'm here. I'm here for the money. But <laughs> that's right. Wait, what? <laughs> I need you to plug it. Um, no, yeah, I've been on here before, yammering about my band, totally slow. That's uh, I think we were on your show or originally because we probably kind of slide into um adjacent to the genres that are covered here i don't think in a super obvious way but i think it's good and it's inspired by a lot of the things we talk about on this podcast so anyway we have a single coming out in a couple weeks um and i'm stoked about that so cool me too actually yeah and you've heard it and you've seen the video tell them all about it (laughs) i will once it's dropped oh yes yes Yes. yeah you don't want to get me in trouble in trouble with my with my label (laughs) Is it one of those kind of labels? I, I'm, no. We don't have to put this. No, <laughs> no. no, I don't think so. I, they haven't. Um, they're putting out another album, and you know how much I talk shit. So um, if we make <laughs> oh, it through the first which, one, then we're doing it again. Oh, you there? I know. I know where you're going. You're not going to go there. <laughs> so what I've been checking um, out is is the new. Re- <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But we can Scott, point Scott out that, that our next talking about. That our next album was going to be partially released by any flags record label so mm. a little bit of gossip and drama in there so oh jesus um, yeah, yeah that's right. was, that was a bummer but um but we're fine we're moving on yeah so that's it cool i can't wait for that yeah bands today man you guys i know you're old but come on it used bands used to put out an album or two a year plus two or three seven inches in between <laughs> <laughs> uh we i'll tell you what man this album is i think it's pretty good i'm excited about it we recorded it in like january and february we spent so much time on it and this recording engineer producer punk guy scotty sandwich like kind of took us under his wing was like i have like a real idea about how i think you should do this and i'm willing to donate time and um it wasn't free but we certainly couldn't have afforded to actually spend as much time as we did i mean we we spent two or three months off and on doing it. And we've got really cool cameos from people coming that flew in to be on it and stuff. So I'm really excited about it. Nice. All right. Didn't uh, you get a couple guys from that one band in DC? Uh... <laughs> You're right on the fucking edge, man. <laughs> no, I'm not going to put it in. No, all we only women cameoed actually. Seriously? That's the truth. Oh, nice. Yeah. Represent. There was enough dudes on that thing. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't going to add any more dudes. Yeah. I hear you. So what about you, uh, Mr. Sheridan? I feel like I'm 
yeah like, we, within been a inside joke yeah this is amazing yeah there's something that we're you know we we're it's, not gonna bring we're, up, yeah so. we're tap dancing around something that would yeah. get me in trouble this is what's happening okay got it well scott i have something that might actually get you out of trouble if you were ever in trouble with your daughter okay uh-huh I think she would really dig the next band that I'm going to talk about. So you could, okay. con- you could continue like the cool dad and okay. like this, and like just drop this suggestion out her and be like, yeah, I love this band. I totally discovered right. them and you should check them out. Uh-huh. <laughs> right, there you go. Yeah. So um, this band is called Vacant Valley and I've uh, been digging their new album. Actually, I think it's their only release. It's called Caught Up in a Dream and it's currently streaming on all platforms but it does not have a physical release so far very unfortunate um they're from uh portland oregon and they take a a a pretty big deep dive into some of my favorite sounds of the 90s kind of like combining elements of like classic midwestern emo that you'd find like on the back catalogs of caulfield records or like polyvinyl records like those classic 90s albums on there and that's kind of melded with this like really beautiful, hazy, fuzzy, like shoegaze sound. And, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if they were like, if, if Aiken Valley had like a healthy listening history of like hum or like failure or like early Silver Sun pickups. I think actually they remind me a lot of Silver Sun pickups, like especially the first Silver Sun album. And if you had asked me for like a Discord adjacent comparison, I think I'd probably like point to like maybe the first two Velocity Girl albums. <clears throat> and and I've really have fallen in love with like the guitar tone on this album. It's super thick, layered and crunchy, but it still like retains like a very warm, like atmospheric tone to it. I know Brian knows what I love with female vocals. And this is like right in my wheelhouse, breathy, melodic, like a real like dreamlike quality to the vocals. Just like the general vibe of the album kind of like teeters back and forth between being like upbeat and hopeful to like a melancholy, like sadness to it. And, you know, kind of going back to like previous conversations that Brian and I have had. And I'd be curious about how you like to do this, Scott, if you kind of follow our, our same thought process. But I like to like immerse myself in in music during a, like a particular like time of the day or like a particular like season. This album came out at the right time because now I have like I do like a lot of walking. So perfect soundtrack for like these like beautiful autumn walks that I take at, in the evening. And so uh, this has kind of been the soundtrack for that lately when I'm not listening to Lungfish and prepping for this episode. So this is like a definite contender to sneak into my top 10 of uh, 2023. Awesome. Which Where are they from? Because there's a few oh, vacant valleys. Oh, like. um, this vacant valley is from Portland, Oregon. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Whenever you say shoegaze and uh, breathy female vocals, you know, Scott's like salivating. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, flip side of the coin here, guys. Um, I'm going to go a whole hell of a lot darker here. In the past, Brian has shared a lot of like some love for some like heavier, darker bands on the podcast. Like, Primitive Man, Ken Mode, Full of Hell. I'm sure I'm missing other bands, Brian. You know, just to name a few. And that's probably not what your typical end-on-end listener goes to very often. So I've I've always been a little shy on these episodes about unveiling some of my heavier musical interests on previous episodes. 
But I do definitely have a large appreciation for like Neanderthal noise and primal aggression. You know, I'm not always listening to the the academic branch of the Discord world. So much to my delight, Relapse Records has released a remixed and remastered version of Integrity Season and the Size of Days, which was originally released in 1997 on the evil empire known as Victory Records. <laughs> um, <laughs> this reissue comes with completely new artwork designed by the singer Dwid. And my my copy is currently sitting somewhere in a warehouse. The shipping label's been printed, but it hasn't actually entered the postal system yet, which is like ugh, driving me nuts. But you know, over the course of the last 35 years, Integrity has been together. You know, Dwid's been like the lyrical, visual, and musical architect of this vehicle that's like steeped in like, you know, the occult, horror, apocalyptic tales. So Seasons in the Size of Days is the last album and what's generally considered to be the classic four albums, which featured the brothers Aaron and Lenny Melnick on lead guitar and bass to the uninitiated. Integrity is known as one of the pioneers in the early 90s who like successfully fused hardcore metal, but they also brought in a lot of noise, industrial and electronic influence as they progressed. In Integrity interviews, Dwid has always been really consistent in citing Sam Hain, Joy Division, Mighty Sphincter, Japanese hardcore, like Ism, and like Septic Death. You know, side note, Pusshead actually did the artwork for Integrity, hum uh, Humanity is the Devil as well. I would definitely consider myself an Integrity super fan of the first four albums. And the original mix and master of this album was like super muddled and messy. Like they had ran out of funds when they were recording this album. So this remix remastered just unveils like a, a whole different like uh, vision of like the instrumentation to like a much higher degree, like just like crushing metallic riffs. Druid's vocals sound like a demon unleashed. The drums sound super crisp. The last song on this album is an electronic noise track, which has the final sermon delivered by Jim Jones. It's being broadcasted over that. So I couldn't think of a more perfect, unsettling way to end this album. <laughs> and <laughs> my, my favorite Integrity show ever was in 1997. I saw them in Cleveland and they were playing this place called Peabody's. And the lineup was like insane. It was Neurosis, I Hate God, Dead and Gone, and actually even Warzone played. And integrity, <laughs> which is really weird that Warzone like was on that bill. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, it's like super scary bands on Warzone. And when Integrity was playing their song Darkness, the entire power grid in this area of Cleveland went out and the show had to end. And it was just like like it was like poetic, like justice. It's like boom. <laughs> integrity knocked out all the power in Cleveland. <laughs> but uh but yeah, those are the those are the records that I've been like really listening to while like I said, you know, as, aside from Rainbows from Adams. Yeah, yeah. But two sides of uh two extremes it sounds like. Two extremes. That's kind of how I normally like to roll, to be honest with you. Mm. Yeah, integrity I like. And it came to them late just because of the name. I was like, oh, they're just going to be right. <laughs> cheesy, you know, yeah. youth core. All right. Well, for myself, I got uh, a band that I'm trying to think how I found them. Oh, because last episode with 
guitar, you know, they had a box set that came out not too long ago on Chunklet. And, mm -hmm. and Chunklet, I used to love the zine when I would find it. It's just hilarious. It's like Mad Magazine about hardcore, <laughs> yeah. but really intelligent yeah. too. It's so good. I still got a couple issues somewhere. But anyway, I checked out what he's been putting out and ordered a couple things. And one of them is this band I'd never heard of. And when I listened, I was way into they're pretty young guys this band called i believe it's pronounced van gas van it's one word van gas but they're from atlanta and i ordered their record he only put like a hundred and something copies out but there's there's still some on Bandcamp. uh came out a few months ago it reminds me very much of like a super energetic kind of circus lupusy deal with some early unwound by way of the more chaotic, energetic, uh, drive like Jehu kind of vibe as well. There's only, I think there might only be one guitar, so there's not like all that dueling craziness of Jehu, but just with well, this the doesn't kind sound of, up my alley at all. This doesn't sound <laughs> no, <anymore>. not all. <laughs> <laughs> They're really good. I V A N G A S. Yeah, exactly. I always think of Vangelis when I see that name, but nothing like that. <laughs> they, uh, yeah, the guy, the vocalist has a cool intonation. You could tell he's listened to all these bands, but he doesn't, he's not aping them. Great distorted bass tone, cool kind of stuttering rhythms and aggressive angular guitar. It's, it's all good stuff, man. It's, it, it's not rewriting the playbook by any means, but it, you know, it's done by young people and it sounds like it and in the best of ways. So I was pretty stoked on it. Awesome. Yeah. So there's that. And the only other thing I'll mention is uh, very Discord adjacent. There's a podcast I discovered called Beyond Believers, which is about Elvis Costello. So, <laughs> okay, maybe not so Discord adjacent, <laughs> but uh, I've been really enjoying it. They do deep dives on all the Elvis Costello catalog and some of the rare tracks, etc. But I don't know. I, they they do it well. There's so many of these shows out there, us being one of them. But I like this guy's take on things. That he gets good guests, has good conversations. And first episode or two, I was enjoying, but I was, you could see his confidence growing in each episode. And it made me think of uh, myself. I was like, <laughs> there's no way in hell I'd listen to the first 10 or 20 of End on Ends without cringing. So, you know. I get it. It's it's hard to get used to your own voice. And he does really good editing, which is totally, uh, you know, whatever, inside baseball here. But <laughs> the thing is, like, he does the thing where, like, he'll mention a, a guitar lick or a, one or two lyrics. I'll, boom, he'll play it right then, then back mm -hmm. into the show. I don't have the patience or skills for that. So I always appreciate when I hear a podcast run real smooth like that anyhow those are the two things cool. i'll wrap so now we get into the part where we talk about what's been up with the band this case longfish up to this point up to rainbows from adams and uh some history got something on deck for us uh i got a little bit here for you brian and then you guys can kind of fill in the gaps all right um Rainbow from Adams is the follow-up album to Longfish's 1992 album, Talking Songs for Walking. However, 
You may recall, Brian, that the last appearance of Lungfish on End on End actually occurred on December 30th of 2022, where you, myself, and Dr. Drew, we discussed, analyzed, and celebrated Discord number 66, which is the CD, which featured Talking Songs for Walking and Necklace of Heads. That's right. They even get a mention uh, last episode, which I haven't released yet, so you don't you don't know that. But it was one of my uh, adjacent where where my record lived next to deals. So, right on. Yeah. Rainbow from Adams was recorded at Inner Ear Studios on October twenty seventh and twenty eighth of nineteen ninety three. This eleven song album was produced by some guy called Ian Mackay and engineered by the ever-reliable Don Santara. It features Daniel Higgs on vocals, Asa Osborne on guitar. Brian, is it John Christ or Christ? How is his last name pronounced? I've heard both, honestly. Okay. And from, I want to say I've heard Christ, which sounds strange and it doesn't look like it would be, but it, yeah. Yeah. We're going to go, we're going to go with Christ because I feel like his, his bass playing is really special on this album. Yeah, for sure. And Mitchell Feldstein on drums. And we are nearing the end of John's contribution to Lungfish. But, you know, like I mentioned just a little bit earlier, you know, in my opinion, he gives us many standout moments on Rainbows from Adams. Yeah, no, this is my favorite album for many things, but this is definitely my favorite album of his contributions, hands down. Yeah, and this is around... I guess I was already, yes, I was already in Colorado by this point, so I wasn't seeing them live except the the show I played with them when they were on tour, but they were playing a few of these songs before this record came out. A couple of these songs are very old, actually, which we'll get to in the uh, breakdown of the record. Yeah, you know, what else was going on? Let me see... Uh, I don't know actually I I don't have I didn't prepare any information I didn't <laughs> and I don't I don't think from all the interviews I've done I have heard any any kind of background as far as right that around this even Mitchell who I talk to fairly regularly All right well I don't have any history to add but I found a couple of reviews only problem is I didn't find any unfortunately and I know there had to be some I didn't find any from that time period, but there's a couple online that are, I guess, uh, were probably put out when they re-released this around 2008-ish. So one's from Drowned in Sound. Gosh, it's long. I don't know if I'll read the whole thing. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll just start reading and I can edit. This is done by someone named Mike Diver. He says, while it can't be regarded as the finest album in their extensive catalog, and I might argue that, that that honor may, in hindsight, go to 1999's Ferocious Unanimous Hour. And I would definitely argue that, even though I named my podcast that. And I'll stop adding in my opinions here. Second, uh, in their extensive catalog, their second LP, Rainbows from Adams, Nevertheless, Mark, the moment when Baltimore's lungfish reached out and touched a good many more hearts and minds. The year of its original release, 93, tied in perfectly with the boom enjoyed by American punk and grunge. British ears were desperate for new sounds, and although they'd been an operational unit since 88, 
The Daniel Higgs fronted four piece would only now enjoy the attention of individuals well beyond their peer and scene groups. I don't think so. They were still super. I don't either. Yeah, they were still super, super not known at this point. Uh, yeah. Outside of I DC. mean, I wasn't, I wasn't paying it. At that point, I was, they were not punk enough for me, like mm-hmm. when, in 93. Like, and I they was, weren't, I and they weren't selling, like, they had to be one of the lowest selling oh, yeah. D- yeah. Discord bands at that point. Right. Anyway. So uh, going on, uh, he says, being signed to Discord didn't harm the band's relative fortunes any. Outsiders on a DC-dominated label, they were marked out as exceptions to a rule never truly enforced, but the stuff of myth nonetheless. This guy's got a little bit of a purple pin here. Thus a a certain mystique hung over them, and this indefinable aurora of uniqueness was bolstered by Higgs finding his conceptual feet quite brilliantly uh, for sure creation story falling in the middle of the proceedings here is a song that comprises a solid foundation for the front man's reputation as a lyrical force of nature lungfish came to a community from outside of it their stuttering guitar lines in perfect sync with what ian mckay and company were hearing in the capital listening now rainbows from adams is predictably dated in terms of production but its spirit hasn't dulled. This is the sound of a band shaking off the shackles of reservation and confronting their abilities head on. And it goes on. The best songs are still the quick fixes. Axiomatic, You Might Ask Me What, and Mother Made Me, for example. Hearing them again, you can trace a line from this album right through to the comparatively modern-day writhing, raw but focused music of lovers, wives, wires on fire, ten grand, etc. Post-millennium bands that have been and gone or continue to be, who quite evidently take or borrowed a cue or two from these masters of power through restraint tension building, whose work was left to explode at instances unpredictable. But there's not a bad song on Rainbows from Adams, really. Granted, it's not the match of their band's third, Pass and Stowe, or their aforementioned and unexpected at the time, Zenith, but outside the context of such fine company, this is an album that, even so long after its initial release, buzzes with life and ambition. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you know, a little long-winded, but fairly well-written. And I would argue with the uh, specifics, especially the albums he likes better, but I think he gets the gets the gist, you know, what was going on with them at the time and their uh, place amongst things amongst uh the culture of the time oh my god there's a right. beast to your it's a giant cat <laughs> it's like a zoo over here i know right. then there's one more that i found from record collector magazine.com again from 2008 so they must that must have been one they yeah, did put out released. a reissue and they give it four stars nice uh so they say who who wrote it let's see reviewed by spencer grady and Spencer says, formed in 88 in Baltimore, Maryland's Blungfish are disciples dedicated to a decidedly singular vision. Their highly hypnotic vistas are propelled by circular rifts and motoric rhythms that seem destined never to arrive at the journey's end. But it's the voice of the group's shamanic poet and frontman, Dan Higgs, who is the focus of this album. His enigmatic lyrics dealing with birth check out the beautiful mesmeric creation story and death open house 
and everything in between are brimful of exotic, often baffling lyrical imagery. Then he quotes uh, the line, a fish realized it held a monkey inside itself and it spelled it on the beach in a larval salamander form. Then he goes on, no matter how surreal the going gets, each and every line is delivered with nothing but the utmost conviction. Higgs's performances are studies in controlled energy and shimmering beneath the surface tension. With the band currently on an indefinite hiatus as Higgs pursues an absorbingly eclectic solo career, it may be a while until we hear anything new from these meditative missionaries. Still, listen to the stridency of fresh air cure, although they, <laughs> there's a typo, they write fresh air cube, which is pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> It only makes us hope that that time comes just a little bit quicker. To quote Higgs himself, we're ready already. <laughs> that was a funny review. Pretty good, actually. I like that yeah. one better. So, yeah, th that's what I found. And I, I, I should have took more time and dug through my old zines because I'm sure, like, I don't, I tried to look up Maximum and I don't know if they reviewed it. It might not be punk enough. And yeah, uh, I don't think they would have. I know especially at that point. And I'm not sure, was Punk Planet around by that point, by that time? No, not 93. Yeah. That's, I right. think that's too early. I might be wrong, but that seems too early. I know. I think it's right before. So, yeah. Yeah, Punk Planet, I think, uh, started it in like 94 or 95. I can't remember exactly. Right. Yeah. That sounds right. Yeah. Okay. Well, well I, I want to say before we get going. Yeah, yeah. In my own form of purple prose here. Um, oh, good. That I, I, I am, like I said, I'm a little bit recent to, to Longfish. Not recent, like the last couple of years or anything, but I definitely wasn't into them for these first two two or three albums. Like, When did you come on board? Um, I think it was probably like late 99 or 2000, probably. I started popping it in at work. That's when I kind of started doing coding as a job. And I was always looking for things that were a little droney and repetitive. And it, but listening to it that way kind of taught me how to love it. And because um, sure. if you're, if, if you're approaching it as like a hardcore kid, you're not going to get it. And I'm a little bit of a, I mean, I'm definitely like, I'm sort of a lazy disciple of Dan Higgs. You know, like I see him a little bit as like a creative, like a uh, prophetic kind of figure. And, but I don't really understand it. And mm -hmm. I don't, want to like i kind of like that i take these lyrics, i take these lyrics in and just let them be what they are to me so like sure. i'm probably going to sound absurd to, to you're kind of more of a student i feel like when I mean, you have this whole podcast about that band so but you know i have his tattoos i have a couple of his shirts i listen to his albums um did you, did you actually get tattooed by him no oh, okay no. but you got um, flash of his stuff i've got i've got flash of his yeah. stuff and and pretty much anytime i get a tattoo i'm i'm like keep that guy in the back of your head while you're figuring <laughs> this out you know? that's awesome um, <laughs> so yeah and my son my my son who's 24 he only had he has two tattoos and they're both from doomsday bonnet like because oh, no he just as a little kid he was looking through that book and when he turned 18 he was like i'm gonna get one of these uh -huh. and um so and he has no relationship with it but really um yeah. yeah like he doesn't know the band really or yeah he just liked the pictures in the book when he was younger so yeah yeah i've met anyway. people i've met people in uh civilian life that uh know dan hicks name 
and know him through as a tattoo artist as a two yeah. two artists yeah mm-hmm. but have no idea about that he was in a band yeah i had a had like a young kid at a tattoo place say to me like you know did you know he had a band <laughs> <laughs> so when did you first uh, come across this specific album? Did you buy a bunch? Of I couldn't. Ones I, 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 cu- I couldn't tell you. I don't oh, know. Okay. Um, it was all pretty random. Sometime in the late nineties, I, I I started feeling like I, I was going to try out all that all that weird stuff that came out on Discord that wasn't cool enough for me at the time, or <laughs> seemed too artsy fartsy or whatever. And uh, so yeah, I don't I don't have a good timeline for that. And it's also kind of all a mishmash and. I probably started, I probably sampled it first digitally somehow. And so it's all like a mess in my head of, of songs. Yeah. But I mean, the, I think every, because recently when I told a friend that I was coming on this, this particular show, um, they were like, I've always wanted to get into that band, but I've never really known where to start or how to do it. And I made her a playlist on Spotify, but I still was like, I totally understand if this doesn't like, you know what I mean? It's like it's very it's a very acquired. Yeah, it's got to hit you at the right time. Right. And I can't tell you why I like it. And I can't tell you that I'm even picking the right songs from the right album because I yeah. I don't know. It hits everybody differently. But seeing them live at some point makes a difference, too. I mean, absolutely. It's pretty fairly religious experience. That's cool. That's great that you uh, got to see them. more and more people I run into even on the other show never did. yeah never yeah. got a chance we were my band i think it was race reserved eagle bravo but we were supposed to open for them at something in baltimore and that was like a famous tour story of mine where i got horrific food poisoning and got oh. up to sound check and ended up running away and vomiting everywhere so oh no um, did you not was play? Like 90, 90 96 or something no i was i was dead in the water there was no oh. way <laughs> yeah food poisoning's no joke i've had that on tour too man <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really sucks having it in a bad van with people who don't love you. You know, <laughs> it's better at least if you're somewhere comfortable. But man, oh yeah, rough. Well, what about you, uh, other Scott? What's your history with this record? So I have like zero recollection of this album coming out in 1993, which is really strange because at that time in my life, my my world revolved around skateboarding and punk and hardcore. Like that was it. So, you know, in real time, I just went from talking songs straight to pass and stow. Mm. So, and this is actually the very last Lungfish album in the catalog that I ever got around to listening to. My oh, my wow. friend, cool. yeah, yeah, it is kind of crazy. So my, my friend who originally played me pass and stow, he also had a vinyl copy of Rainbows from Adam's. And I remember like asking him about it. I'm like, what about this album? You know, what, what's, what's this about? He's like, yeah, recording is not that good. And he was like, just like really dismissive of the album. So, and he was like older than me and like he introduced me to a lot of music. So I really respected his opinion. So never checked it out. You know, when I finally heard this album, the first time was actually in 2018. And that's when I kind of like started this like little tradition of mine where I'll find an artist with like a deep discography, start listening. And like, I like to go in chronological order and just methodically run through the catalog because you know mm-hmm. it's really cool like it can be like a really rewarding like listening voyage you know going through this catalog in that fashion because you can see like a rise or decline or an evolution or you know a stagnation of a band sound and direction i felt like lungfish was like a perfect recipient <laughs> for this experiment mm-hmm. for this for this deep dive you know so 
when I first heard Rainbow from Adams, you know, it, it was it was during that experience. And this was kind of cool, like prepping for this episode, because anytime I ever listened to Rainbows from Adams in the last like five years, it's always been during like the full discography deep dive. So this is the first time where I actually listen to this album in isolation, where I'm just like, kids keep listening over and over and over. And not and my mind's not being skewed by the other albums in the uh in the catalog. Hmm. That's different. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It still blows my mind uh Chris Richards, who was on the other show on Unanimous Hour, which I should mention is my Longfish podcast. <laughs> uh apropos for this uh episode. Uh on the episode he was on, Chris of Q and Not You and many other projects. He amazing writer too. He the day before day of the show, he like listened to every single Longfish record in sequential order, like all in one chunk. That's like mm-hmm. that's some fucking dedication. But yeah. <laughs> and every that's album a- is so. I feel like each album of theirs is produced so differently, and yeah. the whole vibe is so different. Um, even though people, the casual listener of Lungfish will say that it's all just the one song or whatever, mm-hmm. but um, as is in the end, kind of famously say like, yeah, but what a great fucking song or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, every album sounds so different, and except I think this one's produced similar to Talking. It, it feels kind of like mid rangey that way. It um, does, but I mean more so than I remember even when I've been listening to it recently. Although I feel like it, I'll get into it when we talk about Drop the Needle, but. I feel like it's a step up from talking songs, but it's definitely closer yeah. to that than than the later stuff, production wise. Yeah, passing Stowe was like a a big leap, I thought, mm-hmm. and production wise and and song it was it it was a different direction for them. I mean that that's where I really got into them was passing Stowe. That that was the one that got me. Um, so interesting. I I wonder what I'll think when I get to those songs uh, on the other podcast and this one because. In my mind, I always rank it under this one. I feel like it, yeah. like it feels like it should come right before Rainbows instead of right after. Not really, produ- not production wise. Production is right. almost too big, like right? Closer to the first record, like really big and loud. But yeah, songwriting wise, I feel like it's definitely above talking songs. But it's way more just straight, aggressive, loud you know uh well when you i know this isn't on this isn't on topic but when you <laughs> get to passing so i have a very weird take which is that i feel like at that time i'm trying to i'm looking up now to make sure i get the record name right oh so <laughs> i feel like lungfish leaned into a vibe and they do it towards the end of of rainbows even that reminds me of psychedelic first <laughs> Which might oh, make dude. no, which is weird. But if the all of this and nothing album of psychedelic first, it's like their ADA album, and it's it, it might just be something I hear weird because I happen to be someone that makes music, so I hear music in kind of a weird way. But like, there's a there's a flow and a vibe that is so psychedelic first to me. And I know if I played them next to each other for anybody else, they'd be like, "What the <laughs> fuck are you talking about?" But um, I'm gonna have to go back to yeah, because I keep that in the back of your mind, yeah. It's been a while since I've listened to Psychedelic First. You know, I had a big affection for them. I've got all their vinyl, you know. Yeah, I love all those late 80s albums of theirs. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Interesting. All right. Well, on that note, Psychedelic First, let's uh, <laughs> let's uh, go ahead. This and is why you me. bring this is why you bring me. I, I bring uh, 
I hope the listeners are enjoying the last appearance of Scott Hicks on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to. Can I say one more thing, Brian? You can edit this out if you want, but no, go for it. I just wanted everybody to really get a feel for our relationship because I screen capped our text from like a week ago because um, I had told you that I had been I had been fasting for a a medical procedure and. Do you remember that? And uh-huh. um, I'm not laughing at. That and then I kind of joked. I joked. I j- nothing. It was just yeah. So anyway, I, <laughs> I was gonna fast until this show. I was like, I'm just gonna go ahead and do a three week fast, and then die after I do your show. And that was a joke. And you said, "Good because you'll be eating quite a bit of shit on that day <laughs> about this interview." <laughs> and I was like. I wonder if he talks to Shudder to think that way. Well, I bet he doesn't. I bet he kisses their ass. <laughs> oh my god! You know. Anyway, I, I'm enjoying. I, this is my last appearance, so I'm enjoying what. what, what. <laughs> yeah. You know, how was that fast going? By the way, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling very weak now. I'm a month in, <laughs> so I see that. <laughs> uh, all right, and I won't bring up. Uh, the band we'd been bandying about uh in no, you won't. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna stop. all right on that note guys okay. let's do it for real let's drop the needle all right
Okay, here we are dropping the needle on Rainbows from Atoms. And the first song is instrument, but let's first do as we usually do and, and kind of talk uh, broad strokes of the record as a whole. You know, what what's your bird's eye view uh, take on the record, first impressions, that sort of thing? Uh, my broad stroke, I do agree with my old friend that the recording is a little substandard. I feel like it could use like a little bit more low end for my taste, for my personal taste. I think it's kind of thin, um, but it, you know, this album. You, you think mean, it's you guys... as thin as, I, th I thought Talking Songs for Walkin was razor wire thin, like as thin <laughs> as you could possibly get without. I, 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 would, I would have to revisit Talking Songs because it's been a while, um, but I, you know, I think this would be a, like a close second then if that's mm -hmm. the case. But this album, you know, now it represents to me, especially over, you know, like I said, over the last like week or so, it's just been, I've been locked in on this album. You know, it's like the bridge or like the crossroad of the higher energy, louder volumes of the, you know, the previous material of like, you know, a lot of soaring melodies, it's got more of like a up, upbeat rhythms to it. And then, then on this album, it's, they're kind of entering, you know, we'll dive in more, but more like sparse, minimal, ominous, hip hypnotic material that they eventually evolve more into. And Daniel's lyrics, for the most part, are like a little bit more like cohesive here for me. Like there's like a like a definite spiritual vibe that has like really taken like permanent root here. Obviously, he he immerses himself more in deeper terms on subsequent albums, but like I feel like. Necklace of Heads and Talking Songs for Walking. Now Rainbows from Adams. It's like, oh, wow. Like there's some lyrics here where it's, you know, and we'll, we'll dive into it on that track by tracks. But some some big Eastern philosophy, you know, a lot of spiritual uh, themes are uh, really rooted in a lot of these songs. Bullshit. <laughs> yeah. It's baby steps from uh, Reptile House, really. You know, like each 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 record is like a little. It's like he's getting away from that, mm -hmm. um, that more kind of on the nose thing than you know into these abstractions. And this album has a lot of abstraction on it, oh, but yeah. it also has a lot of um, nuggets of wisdom. You know, these lines that are kind of could be cross stitched over your super hip grandma's toilet. You know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, no. A hundred percent. And I would go even further and say that this album is and and of course because the title of the album makes me think of thomas pynchon but there's some thomas pynchon type of thing going on with the lyrics with the mm -hmm. science fiction political utopian dystopian all this stuff going on and of course the spiritual stuff but it, it seems like his lyrical ability just like explodes on this album compared to talking songs talking songs had some good moments but it was like so much more linear this is this seems more uh yeah multifaceted multi-layered there's not going to be any like my full heart kind of stuff on this right you know, like yeah. it's almost that stuff seems almost poppy once you get to this absolutely any other overview thoughts from you uh hicks no let's go forward with the songs i'll just say for myself too I almost feel like I'm going to be the defender now of the production, even though I don't think it's the strongest production. I don't think it's the weakest production they've had. 
and I feel like the guitars get bigger. I mean, as time goes on, but they actually sound way better on this than the last album. They sounded very dry and small on the last record to me. Super compressed. They're yeah. a, little more, a little more layered, a little more dissonant, accentuated. This band is a, a band where you can really, like, you know, Scott, you were talking about how you've been listening to the whole discography and how you can just really hear them figuring it out on each record. Because it's almost like, because the thin sound, like, they, you know, I think sometimes the thin guitars really works for them when they put the really big bass under it yeah, you know? yeah the unanimous hours kind of the guitars are really shrill a lot of the time on unanimous that's what, hour but that's what i was there's thinking so, too. There's, yeah. there's so much bass under it that it works you know yeah it, it's interesting because that's one thing about when i was thinking about the production because there's some later albums i think have good production but until feral hymns i feel like they didn't have their actual natural sound production of what they sounded mm-hmm. like live because I, I love the production on something like Sound in Time, et cetera. But when they played live, they wouldn't have Didn't that sound. sound. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, they're kind of hemmed in, I think, by Ian and Don's thumbprint you mm-hmm. know, on these records in different ways. You can hear them kind of try to wiggle around it, but not, right. to varying degrees of success. You walk into inner year and they just hand you an SG and a Marshall and they're like, you're fucking playing. <laughs> yeah, this is what you're <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, Exactly. And the drum sound. The drums are one of the big motivating factors as far as what I hear of the big change that happens very late in the catalog versus now is the drums Mm -hmm. have a very specific sound in this time period and not Mm -hmm. on Lungfish's part, but on all Discord releases part. So anyhow, uh, yeah, let's get into the songs too. So, and I'll preface by saying as well that up until, geez, recently which it's kind of me tossing my hands in the air about it in general but this was my favorite album for a long time of lungfish we'll talk about why as we get into this so well your taste is wrong (laughs) my taste is wrong yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. Uh, so let's let's tear this thing open with uh instrument who wants to start us off well first of all dc band dc bands really like calling things instrument it's just oh yeah right (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm sorry, Scott, go ahead. I was going to say, um, you know, right off the bat, we're welcomed on this album with this like towering, heavy, raging, repetitive riff from Asa. And, you know, when I when I hear this riff, it, it instantly actually brought me back to the main riff that drives the song uh, broadcast off talking songs. Mm-hmm. You know, this, this like singular driving powerful riff even though that it's it's a it's a pretty aggressive riff by lungfish standards, it still retains that like special quality where they just like lock you into that like hypnotic state. And I would have loved to have experienced this riff in a live setting. <laughs> Makes me really jealous uh, to those who who did, because <laughs> um, <laughs> I they well, unfortunately they avoided me throughout their uh, throughout their tenure. But and they avoided you. Yeah, and <laughs> I love. Um, you I should definitely dive- take it personal. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I, would take I do take it personal. <laughs> yeah, I I won't dive into the lyrics just yet, but I love you know a Daniel's like unhinged bellowing that like throughout the song and Mitchell's beat just works like perfect for this like gigantic riff. You know, the, 
just serves as like a great impetus because I'm, I'm a head nodder at shows. So I'm like the aggressive head nodder up front. <laughs> and like, this is like perfect just for that. Yeah, I agree. Uh, although I don't, I hear what you're saying about uh, broadcast, although I feel like broadcast is way more digging into the dissonance, whereas this is, I, I never thought about it till recently, but I'm like, just the guitar sound and tone is it's opening up and, and playing all those open strings along with the riff on that one chord. It makes me think of Husker uh, Du. And mm -hmm. uh, Dan's vocals on this are great. It's just, it's one of my favorite pairings of vocals and guitar riff of Lungfish. Like, it's just so natural and sounds perfect. And yeah, it, it has to be the first song. There's no other place it could be on this record. You know, my old bandmate, good friend, uh, Spencer, who is on the current episode coming up of uh, Unanimous Hour, he was reminding me of this video I loaned him that I've still got uh, of Lungfish that's not really a circulated one of them playing in D.C. at, I think, St. Stephen's or somewhere right before this time, and they open the show with instrument, and it it does. It's yeah, instantly, you see the first, like, four rows of the crowd, everybody's heads, like, in unison going. It's definitely one of those. Yeah, it's just, it's the perfect opening track, I think. I'll tell you, I got the lyrics wrong. I wouldn't say wrong. I just never paid attention so like when I actually sat down and read them for the show, I'm like, oh, there's actually like a kind of thought going on in these lyrics. They're very posy. Posy, I know. Very, like you can do it. You can do it. Yeah, yeah. and it's got that vibe. Even the music yeah. is it has that <laughs> yeah. has a somewhat uplifting quality mm -hmm. for Lungfish. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I noted here succeed or fail, but be content with the outcome of the action. I'm like, that's very um that's very cross stitchy, you know. Yeah, it could it could I be a dragnet. It could be a can I say lyric or something. It could be. Dave Smalley <laughs> could have written that. Yeah. <laughs> that was my favorite line in the song for sure. It was like be content with the outcome of the action, you know, because yeah. Look looking through like a Buddhist lens, you know, you're you're accepting the outcome. You can't change what happened, but you can you can change your response to what happened. Mm-hmm. Doesn't have very many lyrics. It's like a haiku almost. Yeah, so it absolutely like is. It, but it's got more are... lyrics than I actually hear when I uh -huh. hear the song. I'm like, oh, okay, there's right. actually a few more lines. Yeah. Anyway, it's it's great. I love it. Then the second track, which I think this is a near perfectly sequenced record minus the second track, which is a really fascinating track, but it's so weirdly placed because you've got that anthem that opens the record on such high energy. Then you go into this seasick dirge for the second track instantly. It's like very, mm -hmm. very jarring. And that crazy bass line. What a crazy bass line. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, his every bass line on here is pretty crazy when you think about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking about like some of them seemed really exhausting to just loop for four minutes, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I felt like if like instrument was like a throwback to the earlier catalog, then Mother Made Me is a great preface for like what is to come. Because like you just said, like the song just creeps along in this like slow, like brooding, eerie atmosphere. And I think this is like another like Asa gem, like this riff. I think you said like it was like maybe like haunting or something like that. It's like this haunting, like tangled riff that like slithers along. And, it, you know, I think it complements Daniel's lyrics really well in this story. I think like halfway through the song and only for like 20 seconds, like Asa plays this like beautiful dissonant riff and i i just don't want it to stop 
And it's like one of those like great tricks as like a songwriter, you know, where you recognize that giving the listener less is better than giving too much. Mm -hmm. And yeah, gets you like craving for more. And I was like, ah, like I want him to play that riff for, you know, 20 mm -hmm. more seconds. Yeah. It is very seasick. It's like a sea shanty, like a gothic Southern folk sea shanty. And yeah. even the lyrics, yeah. the lyrics are kind of that too. Oh, yeah. I can't, I, can't, I didn't yeah. revisit talking too much, so I don't remember, but it seems like this is like the first time he really gets into that sort of organic, like gory kind of lyrics, you know, they get kind of viscerally about organs and. Oh, right. The body mothers. And, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Almost. But it's not, I mean, I don't find it disturbing at all, but no. it's. But I don't. I don't know if he did that before. That this feels like the first time we heard, we heard him doing that visceral gore. In the <laughs> visceral sexy gore. Yeah, sexy gore. There's yeah. always a little I bit love, of sexiness to it too. But I love how vulnerable his his voice sounds on some of like the lines in this song, where it mm -hmm. feels like there's like a few words where his voice sounds like it's on the verge of like cracking, and. Mm -hmm. And I also like, like with the lyrics, how you referenced the lyrics, Scott, where he switches like the narrative voice in the song mm -hmm. where, yeah, where he's talking about his mother and then he flips it like one third of the way through the song. And then it's the mother speaking of the son. And mm -hmm. I, I, I thought that was like really cool how he did that. Yeah. And also goes right. into omniscient narrator uh, talking about the locations too. Well, I guess it's not omniscient because it's, it's probably... I imagine in his mother's voice talking about the sidewalk leads to the city. These tracks lead to the country mm -hmm. road to the Harbor where your grandmother swam, et cetera, et cetera. You know, I, I gotta be honest. Like it's weird. There's almost no lungfish song that I honestly don't like. And I don't dislike this song. I love the lyrics and his vocals, but the music really does make me almost feel vertigo, like vertigo <laughs> listening to it. It's like, uh -huh. It's it's too much uh, uneasy. I feel uneasy. It's such uneasy uh, vibe. Hmm. Uh, but the lyrics are amazing, and I like his singing. And apparently, the song is about, you know, his mom had just passed, and he wrote this song. So it's mm -hmm. super touching, and kind of going into the whole uh, thoughts of uh, what someone passes on, and what continues through uh, the family line. Mm -hmm. And Brian, you can you can edit this out, but, but I feel like I would be letting down our end on end vulture feather PR campaign. Yeah, if I didn't mention them during this episode, but uh -huh. it would it would not surprise me if this song served as a possible you know inspiration for like a few of their songs that are a little sure. bit more on the on the eerier side of things. Yeah, yeah, and I mean the singer in Vulture Feather. I played a show with them in Las Vegas. It was like a couple bands, but he was solo and I was solo, but he was just playing a harmonium Hig style. And uh, he put out a record of that. I can't remember what they're called, what the record's called, but yeah, he definitely had that vibe then too. Yeah. I mean, and maybe it's like I said, where it's located on the record as well, that it's, it's like you're just cruising along at high speed in a car. Then all of a sudden you get a flat in one of your tires for mother made me. That's mm -hmm. what it feels like. But then then we get to one of my all, t I'm going to say this over and over again, I feel like, but one of my all-time favorite songs, The Lungfish, like I never get sick of hearing and it's grown on me more and more over time. Like at first I thought it was too similar to some other songs, but I love Abraham Lincoln. Oh yeah, such a good song. 
And so perfect. Yeah. yeah. Well, I love, I love the vocal melody. I love the way that, I mean, yeah, this song like actually sounds like it's produced, right? <laughs> it's totally produced. Like it, everything, yeah, just, the production is perfect. Everything fits together. Everything fits together just right. And um, I've always loved this song. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Well, like you were saying with the thin guitars working for certain things, like on here with the just little guitar line that happens here and there, right. like, totally works with the, the, it's kind of golden and small sounding to me. Mm-hmm. And he kind of gets into his, I don't know, there is like a historical fiction vibe to the lyrics. It's funny because I'm not, I'm not usually much of a lyrics person. Like that's the last thing I really hear in a mm-hmm. band, but not with this band. It'd be funny if there was the opposite. If you're always a lyrics guy, you're like, but I don't really listen to the lyrics in Lungfish. I, know. I only <laughs> like I like the two notes of every song. Um, yeah. It's the whole package, but that makes the lyrics stand out to me more. But you know, I learned a lot from as a as a younger person writing songs and sort of the punk world that because you know the, all the punk I grew up on was very um, on the nose and not abstracted at all. And then I kind of learned from. Probably, probably from Shutter to Think first, but also from Longfish. That sometimes, sometimes you put two words next to each other because, like, it that makes a note almost. Mm. It's like its own. It's an instrument, you know. Yeah. Um, even if it kind of doesn't make sense, it, it's still okay. Like in in poetry, to sort of like, well, it the, forces the listener to reckon with it in a different way. It's not just mm-hmm. handing handing over this fast food you've got to actually take in the taste and right make something of it yourself yeah mm-hmm. but it's spinning a narrative but it's doing it in this very abstract way so oh, you kind for of sure yeah you build it your you build it it's like build your own narrative kind of almost <laughs> you could you could interpret it in so many different ways but the yeah i love this song me too and it's it to me it's the vibe without talking about the lyrics specifically with it makes me think of like a Taoist anarchist type of thing going on, mm-hmm. like a mix of the two with all the nature imagery, but also the kind of questioning of inaction in the midst of uh, political craziness. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like it's hard to really say because everyone's part is essential in this song. But when I've been listening lately, Mitchell's been popping out more and more is being kind of the most lively thing in the song. He's kind of mm-hmm. holding everything up with his uh, really unusual drum beat. Like he's not just playing four on the floor straight mm-hmm. beat during this. It's really interesting, uh, especially his accents. And same with uh, John Christ in a way, because, you know, what, uh, on a song like this, you would expect someone to do like a, a Joe Lolly type of bass line, but, but John Christ is is kind of burbling and bubbling and kind of uh, mm-hmm. anything but do, playing straight notes. Mm-hmm. I love the beat. I love that beat too. That speed yeah. for yeah. them is so good. And I like to play the drums and I will often go out to our space and load like that song. And I really like sound and time songs for this purpose, mm-hmm. but just put in the earbuds and play, play along with it. It's so meditative. And Scott hasn't even popped in on the music but what do you think scott yeah oh man talk about the lyrics as well all together i feel like ace's riff on this song is like a gentle hand rocking me into like a meditative state like the song is just like so heart rendering and has like a gentle quality to it and vocally i feel like daniel gives us like a couple like really good treats in this song 
similar to what uh, Mother Mamie had. He's got these like lines where he just sounds so like fragile and vulnerable. And I love that we get an extremely catchy sing-along chorus with like the saddest lines. Yeah. Such a great like irony because like the lyrics are so sad and morose. And I also like how he like double tracked his vocals. And I feel like that has like an amazing effect on this song because, mm-hmm. you know, because like well, one vocal, one vocal well, track. Let's wait. Oh, okay. Uh, it's not for sure that he double tracked okay. his vocal. Well, I think that's who, Asa actually doing the backups. Oh, but then he does a great job. Yeah. They have very similar uh, attacks vocally, but Asa's is a little bit higher range than Dan's. Okay. Because yeah. I, I just love how like borderline emotionally unhinged like that vocal track sounds mm-hmm. um so great and you know the the lyrics uh, it's like you guys like have already like kind of touched on it like the lyrics just like really steer and guide like the overall ambiance of the song like this conjures like these feelings of for me it conjures up feelings of like deep sadness and the music is kind of like accentuates that that feeling that i have but like the lyrical gem for me is on this album where he says what's going to free you to see what you were always free to see through and man that's like such a punk line like that line mm-hmm. like epitomizes you know seeing through brian you like this you know kind of like seeing through that veil of maya you know mm-hmm. what's gonna what's gonna take you to see that and um yeah the song like you said like both you guys so like perfectly just like hit on like this is uh, such a highlight uh, track this should have been like track number two in my opinion so yeah yeah no it's amazing i think it, it deserves a hyperbole and like yourself scott i used to let the song just roll over me lyrically in certain parts of lines and the the overall vibe would be more of what i got in certain lines but reading it on the page makes me think that yeah it's a it's it's a call it's almost it's like the like scott the sheridan the it's like the gentlest call to action it's pastoral but at the same time kind of uneasy it's in the opening lines will you resist the burning urge to burn will you refuse your right to choose your type of execution that cushion that you're sitting on you know makes me think hey why are you just sitting there you know you're going to go mm-hmm. one way or another what way do you want to go on yeah. your feet or and on your knees, basically, you know, revisiting this album, like we are is making me realize how much I was inspired by how he writes these songs. Cause I kind of do a lot of this <laughs> not as well, probably, but yeah, that's the hit yeah. on this album. Oh, it, it, I mean, there's a couple to me, but this definitely, and, and just the image of, uh, I love that he held her head to his head and said, like, I love that line. You know, mm-hmm. holding someone's head close to yours and mm-hmm. giving this information. And then, uh, you know, the song goes on and kind of has that little instrumental part. And then when it comes back in with there's a movement on the water, like that whole section is just mm-hmm. so nice. This is the perfect song, I feel like, for when I'm out walking in the woods around here. It's got a nice, uh, like I said, pastoral in a way vibe to it. Yeah, it's very autumnal, too. It's yeah, it's an yeah. Uh, it's an autumn song. Abraham Lincoln's like an, a fall guy. I don't know why. It's an autumn. He's, it's an, he's an autumn guy. He was on that show, The Fall Guy. No, <laughs> he was the stunt man. <laughs> the stunt man. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, hmm. Then we get to uh, 
a song that with the title of a one of my old favorite comic books from the 80s animal man mm -hmm. so man this is where his lyrics just start spilling out into the cosmos man this uh-huh so good this is a i'll start biblical, off, very biblical song too it's absolutely and which there's quite a bit of that in on the record musically it's it's the strangest uh because that bass line just should not work on this and then mm -hmm. with everybody's playing a different type of song at the same time like that bass yeah. line with the polka drum beat and well then, yeah i was gonna say it's got that um it's got a disco swing you know it's like yeah uh, it made me think of the song um mated from unanimous hour which is so oh, like mm -hmm. uh, tax man <laughs> so what it's like, it sounds like tax, oh, tax man. man like yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah it's like that that mm -hmm. uh boom down but don't boom down boom down but down down you know yeah. it's like uh that's yeah and i mean it. and but then and then what ace is playing over top of the disco beat and bass line mm -hmm. is like total noise rock you know yeah it's, it's crazy <laughs> and somehow it all works <laughs> yeah and there's no i don't think there's any like this is one of their songs where it's just those two notes like the whole time right mm -hmm. i don't think it's there's no bridge there's no chorus there's no uh key there's little pauses but that's about yeah. it yeah yeah and dan hicks is or his uh delivery is what kind of changes the the parts mm -hmm. and it's almost like he consciously runs out of words like it's like some of those pauses it's <laughs> almost like um like uh -huh. it was intentional you know it's yeah it's it's hard to even go into the lyrics on this because it's just so yeah. <laughs> so much and, and i mean yeah. and to to have the audacity to say like please to meet the man man and the woman woman <laughs> and these lines mm -hmm. that anyone else we would just be like that's bullshit that that line suck but it's so good with <laughs> when it comes from right. in the context of dan hicks but you know also this song has one of those grandma crochet lines that's one of the best you know life lesson uh lines mm -hmm. on the record which one is that at the very end when he says uh this life i'm living is a vision i'm having the life you're living is the vision you're having and if this vision is such a blessed thing we've got to see the blessing in everything oh wow yeah boom yeah. such a great line yeah it's amazing yeah, yeah. it's like kind of going like back words to... it's like word yoga Word yoga, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like uh, TM. Mm -hmm. It made me think of like him going back to that theme of gratitude that he had in uh, the song "Broadcast." Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's true. Yeah. That drum beat kind of reminds me of like when I heard the drum beat, I thought of two things, and they were both related to Joy Division. Uh, believe it or not. Mm. Yeah, uh, I can hear that. Yeah, like yeah, because like you know it has that Stephen Morris approach kind of like you know similar to what he does in the song the Joy Division song digital <laughs> and then I envisioned like what sick dance move like Ian Curtis would be would be doing uh during that song <laughs> yeah because it's like he would hurt himself on this he probably would hurt himself <laughs> on this song for sure and then you guys you two are like the musicians on this podcast so John's bass playing during the song you know it's it's that prevailing uh, flavor of what's going on with bass players yeah yeah obviously it was yeah. written on bass i'm sure yeah and that was like becoming like really more like commonplace style and like you know and like punk and hardcore and indie rock and stuff like like alt rock everyone was like plucking and slapping a little bit during this era 
It was starting uh, to creep in. Scott, it's called slapping and popping. Slapping mm-hmm. and popping. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for the lesson. I had no and you idea. Have to, you have to say it with, you have to have a little bit of a patois when you say it. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it really, it shouldn't work. If, if the lyrics weren't so good, I'm trying to imagine now uh, you, Scott Hicks, trying to put together your mix to turn someone on to lungfish and this is the first song you put on <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, no. yeah i don't think this song made it onto the mix at all <laughs> it, daniel's uh vocal rhythm in this song too is very like unique for oh, yeah. lungfish mm-hmm. yeah it's almost it's so like, cool it's almost like it's just hip-hop-ish. Talk, talk, yeah talking like, heads uh, i was thinking Lizzie. talking heads yeah then lizzie yeah, <laughs> we're going all over the map here. Steely Dan. Ste- oh, no, like, <laughs> you're really just. <laughs> well, there's a little bit of that, uh, you know, that almost scatty kind of like he's talking, but it's but it is fitting in Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah. Yeah. No. Similar. Yeah. Similar to totally slow is what you're saying. Sure. I think that's where we're getting to. I don't do any of that. <laughs> it's hard. Especially because I play guitar while I sing. See, mm-hmm. My job's harder than Dan Higgs was. What I'm saying. <laughs> is what you... Oh, boy. <laughs> the, the, the gauntlet has been thrown. No. No. All right. Well, let's move along and get to Fresh Air Cure. This is one that it, it's pretty common in the, anyone that searches out lungfish bootlegs this will be one of the first things you come across is a uh, a demo they did right after necklace of heads of three songs mm-hmm. that they have a version of this that's like 10 minutes long or something so it's like a really early and really like wild and woolly version but uh so this is a definitely one of their earliest songs but what a track definitely you can tell it's in the same vein more like uh, talking songs, but I feel like this is a good example of where the production is better than talking songs to me because on talking songs, I feel like this would sound like way more uh, yeah one dimensional well, than it does. On it's the... kind of a it's a little, it's a little fugazi of a riff for sure. Yeah, the bass kind of does that. You know, it's yeah. I don't know. It's um... no, it does. Yeah, which also shows that it's one of their older songs because they very quickly got away from the Fugazi influence that they definitely had mm-hmm. in the early days. But the lyrics on here too, my God. A lot of fucking words in this song. <laughs> yeah, there is. I know it's like most bands, this would be like That's know, my whole four album. songs. I know what you're <laughs> <laughs> And to go from the first song having, you know, like five or 10 yeah. lyrics or yeah. words to this. So who wants to kick us off on the thought more thoughts on this i would say as myself who's been like trying to spend a lot a lot less time online nowadays trying to do more like self-care i use nature as medicine so i think this is like the greatest song title fresh air cure um mm. you know <laughs> That's good. could de- like... could definitely be the name of like a health and wellness company like mm-hmm. needs to... <laughs> yeah or if you were that reviewer from the second review i read fresh air cube yeah right. exactly yeah. and step I, inside my fresh air <laughs> and i agree I, with you I guys listen to long form inter, uh, long form npr interviews are the way i cure myself 
Oh, nice. oh geez. <laughs> <laughs> and I agree with you guys. Like this is very like early era, like Fugazi influenced. It could fit right next to furniture or song number one mm-hmm. on like on a mixtape and mm-hmm. totally feel like in place. And I feel like John kind of like takes a spotlight in the song. You know, his baseline is very Joe Lally-ish, you know, influence, but I think it's great. And, oh, I do too. And I mean, yeah. if if anything, though, I think I'm kind of impressed with Asa in that he plays different than he does on anything else. He doesn't play one riff. He keeps switching it up. He plays that weird little mm-hmm. kind of Latin type of melody in the middle of everything. And he goes back to the, you know, Ian-esque rhythm guitar here and there, but keeps changing it up and throwing mm-hmm. little uh, uh, metal things in there too. <sighs> I was just gonna say that, Brian. You know, you know, but I love those parts. He has the, the those pinched like, harmonic kind of thing. Oh man, I am a sucker for a good pinched uh, harmonic, and because that's not something that you get very often in the Discord Records catalog. So I'll yeah. relish anytime I get that. It kind of mm-hmm. remind me of Pete a little bit, like he uh, from uh, Verbal Assault and Rain mm-hmm. Like the Sound Sound of Trance. Like he would do that a lot. Yeah, uh, so good, you know. And then this song too, we also get the lyrical nod to the album title oh yeah i think there's like yeah, a line it, yeah yeah no, it, it's it in actually the, says like rainbows from adams yeah mm-hmm. it's pretty cool yeah, yeah like i think there's a line in this one brian where it's like i live my life just barely aware i think that's the line right no no and, it's 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 my all-time fit. scott where are you going i'm done no i'm saying no it's i've said it on the other podcast it's probably my favorite all-time Longfish uh, couplet. Um, okay, it's. I keep waking up. I'm halfway there. I live my life just barely aware. Oh yeah, yeah, I was right. I live my life just barely aware. I love that line. That is, mm-hmm. it's like a, that, you know, that's like a lot of people, you know, and yeah. the fresh air cure. That's like your awakening. That's your enlightenment. Well, but he says he keeps waking up, so you're fa- it insinuates you're falling back asleep. He keeps falling back into the the uh maya the matrix the whatever he's, he's i hate you saying the matrix now because yeah, right wingers have yeah. co-opted it but yeah well daniel you, you daniel it's you like he took a... the red pill it's like he took the red pill <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh jesus daniel's got to spend more time on the cushion brian so yep. yeah. yeah now i'm just looking through the lyrics it's i love i i <laughs> his style of writing on it, it's kind of similar to uh the early stuff and that it is an early song but i love the flow of the lines you can see where the imagery is kind of coming to him and it makes logical sense each type of image comes after the next talking about a nation then astronauts then well stonemason but then <laughs> yeah i don't know this is another one that's kind of hip-hoppy in the lyric writing i think Especially too, he's like he he gets very descriptive of like I get to peeling, I get to cracking up, I get to blistering, I get to twistering, <laughs> twistering, start to bend and break. I like how he enunciates like headlock, you know, so good. Oh, and like a like one of my favorite lines as well, other than the one that I said is my all time, is uh, as I'm saying that I never heard this line the like a smoothing bomb smeared on a dead branch soothing bomb i never heard that line but i like like a mountain born of a single thrust it's so good (laughs) 
Oh, and he, this is some of the earliest things of his uh, kind of sci-fi imagery with like buoyant external lungs. What a great yeah, way to hair end. around the mouth. That's body horrors. Yeah, yeah, fun. yeah. Body horrors. And just what a way after all the just like barrage of imagery, the last line is like nothing personal, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Perfect.
turn the record over and man this song blew my mind the first time i heard it so good yeah and i don't know if they it'd be a good question to ask but i don't think and i imagine they probably never played this one live which is kind of wild in a way it's one of those songs that sounds right out of the gate like i've already heard it a thousand times. It, it was it's like got this melancholy yeah, nostalgia to it that's like always been there but it, it, it also I think they probably had had been listening to Slint maybe a little bit. Mm, yeah, definitely yeah. Some, there's definitely a Slint definitely. vibe yeah. in the way that he kind of tells the story too quietly over this really amazingly sad riff. Yeah, yeah. this is another one of my favorite songs on the record. Yeah. I thought about instead of Slint, my mind went to uh, Moss Icon because there's like mm-hmm. there's, there's so many songs in that Moss Icon catalog that's like littered with moments of. Jonathan Vance, you know, delivering these like profound poetic statements mm-hmm. for those like minimal guitar lines. Yeah, although for some reason, I mean, he'll do it occasionally, but this is one where Asa kind of keeps it melodic, even even though it's minor key. He doesn't go into any dissonant or kind of bent out of tune type of notes or anything. It's very like linearly, you know, stretched out epic, but in that kind of slow core post-rock type of vibe. Mm-hmm. And I think this is the only Lungfish song in the catalog that fades in and fades out. And I mm-hmm. like how it gives that real like cinematic effect, you know, mm-hmm. kind of like highlighting that storytelling. Mm-hmm. Oh, it definitely yeah. does. Yeah. <laughs> Opening line alone, paranoia warped into a gravity. You you know you're in for it, and just I wrote I could, here. Some someone actually typed this out on lyrics. <laughs> I just couldn't <laughs> believe like like somebody actually transcribed the whole thing. Yeah, it's like having a conversation with someone for like five minutes, and they're just talking. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, totally. Yeah, no, I, I think it, we could pull any of these lines. Like every single, it's not like there's no fat on this. Yeah, so many lyrics, but it, there it's yeah. It's like the story of everything in a three-minute song. It's insane. Yeah. I think it's sequenced really well. It's almost like an intermission for this album. Mm-hmm. Um, comes comes at a great time. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, think the whole album, besides Mother Made Me, is, is sequenced pretty perfectly, mm-hmm. actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And having recently become a father again, I love that it ends on the lines... It was music that gave the shove and resolved in music we shall breathe. It was children that crafted a parent and resolved in children we shall live. That's oh, so good. It's great. 
it kind of gives like some like hope because like kind of like right before that line, he's pretty down <laughs> on humanity <laughs> and humanity's like greed and selfishness oh, yeah, and, and right. like competitiveness. Yeah. And I love how he like kind of flips it and ends on a more of like a hopeful note. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great point. I, I wouldn't have thought that. And yeah. the only other time that I noticed that he does anything like this, Dan Higgs, like this style of spoken poetry over music. And I love all the little just tiny effects throughout the song that add like texture to it. But the only other time he would uh, do something like this is very recently, like a couple of few years ago, he put out two albums called The Fool's Sermon, which are just two albums worth of this one long form poem that he's just continuously writing to this day and, and kind of editing and changing. But yeah, I mean, talk. it's the kind of thing that should make anyone who's thinking about trying their hand at poetry just put down their pen right away. You're not going to touch this. <laughs> it's a high bar. It's a high bar that Daniel set. Yeah. And I just hope one day my art can inspire people to not want to bother to make any. <laughs> there you go. Oh, my God. That's a great line, Scott. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I got a few. I got a few. Yeah. All right. Uh Axiomatic is next. Oh, I I love how Asa like takes the reins on this song. Huge crushing trance inducing riff. It, it the sound of it reminds me of almost like a chorus of like these like crazily like tuned sitars. It's just like this very like disorienting sound but like in the best way possible yeah Although, yeah kind of like kind of like the first time i heard my bloody valentine like loveless like i was like mm-hmm. these like massive riffs that sounds like they're being played backwards you know mm-hmm. and what? and that's what what band they're called my bloody valentine have you heard of them are they like deathcore or something they're they're actually <laughs> norwegian they're norwegian black metal it sounds like mm. yeah yeah they changed they changed their name to integrity after a while <laughs> they did <laughs> right. yeah they, and they're touring with totally slow yeah, <laughs> yeah. they wish um, <laughs> my buddy valentine made it that made it onto my daughter's mix oh nice oh yeah Heck it has yeah. to yeah it better yeah what do you guys think of john's baseline on this song like oh so i good. think it's great it. it's so yeah. good high pop on it yeah yeah Heck because yeah. it's funky but it's like it's like it's not no it's not because it's angry and and kind of fucked up is as you can get well, he's still slapping like a, yeah. a, a, disc, yeah. a discord a discordant thing it's yeah like, yeah exactly yeah. and kind yeah. of sliding. this is this is this is i don't know if i saw this song live but it feels like it would have been a very transcendent song to hear it would be a good one live um, yeah yeah for sure yeah and i unlike mother made me the disorientation of this song works for me just because it's so driving and mm-hmm. and kind of grinding at the same time. So I, I really like the music and I like a lot of the lyrics, but I feel like he's a little lazy on a couple of these, to be honest. Mm-hmm. This is the only spot where I've kind of felt that like too Bukowski to say a song slips past the cage, the rent gets paid. That's he's not getting paid to write songs. Come on. Yeah, I did like the well after this. After this podcast, he's going to get paid. They're going to be selling these things. (laughs) And this definitely has the as well the kind of post apocalyptic war 
you know, uh, type of imagery, which is, it kind of fits in with the other songs beside that line that just bothers me. Brave like eggs. That's a weird one, too. <laughs> <laughs> Your face while you said it was, uh, that was great. Because <laughs> there's some good lines in there, but I was, I, and I love this band, but it's Humpty just... Dumpty, Humpty Dumpty was brave. I know. <laughs> there you go. I think that's what he's referencing. Yeah, probably. <laughs> or they sit uh, on walls and they. All right. Well, I like that one line though. Like the never felt so sane. Yeah, I think yeah. I think that's a great line because like when we've all phrase. Yeah, we've all been there. Yeah, where mm-hmm. it's like either in a personal, social, or like political conversation. I'm like, am I the mm-hmm. only sane one here? Yeah. I never felt so sane. Um, yeah. <laughs> open house. This one. I love, I love, love, love. And it's one that I always forget about until it comes on. Then I'm like, holy shit, this song. Yeah, it's another one that would be great live too. Yeah, that bass line. That's that's my favorite John Christ bass line. It reminds me of uh only other song that's also related uh, lyrically, thematically by Unwound, uh, Corpse Pose. Mm-hmm. It's got that same kind of uh, very simple, but going across the uh, strings and i think this one and what oh is this the first song that actually has like a different part in it (laughs) where they actually no they've had a couple that have two parts on here but that's the uh outlier big yeah 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 Yeah, it's really big you're right that's another exhausting baseline (laughs) i love it i think that's so good yeah it's great um and yeah, I mean, it's a, obviously a Higgs doing a, a death blues thing with the lyrics. What great lines, though, like as opposed to the last one. This one has the line that you uh, were just saying, the right. suction magnet maze. Yeah, I love that. Where you recline and become unmade. Oh, so good. And when you when the dirt hits your face, you part like water. Man, I feel like I could just say that for every line here. I know. Uh, I'm getting lost reading them. What do you think of the vocal effect that's on Daniel's voice in this song? That's cool. Is there, do you yeah. like that? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so full disclosure, Brian, this is my least favorite song actually on the album. Oh my God, Scott. Don't like it. <laughs> um, don't like it. Uh, I, I this need is Scott you. number S, everybody. Not yeah. Scott number H. <laughs> yeah. Not number H. And I need you to sell me on the song a little bit more. I do like John being the center stage, uh, you know, on the song with like that walking, pulsating, circular bass line. I love that. Asa's riff in the song, it just doesn't connect with me. Um, it's minimal. It's minimal. But I love like a lot of minimal of riffs that he has. But for some, for some reason, this one is just not hitting me. And like mm-hmm. those vocal effects on Daniel's voice. I don't know. I, I like his true character. I don't think he needs any vocal effects. I think he needs um, more vocal effects. <laughs> I think he needs. I think he needs right in the middle of what you both said. <laughs> I'm just trying to. I know. Right? I'm just I'm just three little finding your three little bear. Yeah. Yeah. boxing it. That's funny. No, I love it. I think it, especially because of the lyrics. But I love that bass line too. Like both of those things together, and. uh it rocks out it does man once it hits those chords mm-hmm. and you know the, a lot of talk of uniforms on this uh record mm-hmm. now that i think about it 
It's interesting. On this song, it seems like uniform is maybe uh, signifying your body. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Or what your identity even. And it's weird. It's almost prescient for uh, 9-11. <laughs> like one line, uh, if you want to get uh, what's caught about it, like the anthem you snuck on his airplane disguised as an orchard. Yeah. I think maybe they need to talk to them. <laughs> I, I think maybe in on it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's got the beard, man. I always like your th- spiny mind. Yes. So I always, that's what I was about to say, literally, I always thought that line, I don't know which I like better. I think I like my version better. I always thought it was point your spine at mine. Mm. It was one of those kind of impossible images of Dan Higgs land. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Spiny mind aimed in all directions. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's great. Scott, you got to get on board. Yeah. I'll try. I'll keep listening. Really? I'll, I'll keep <laughs> listening. Because I'm not going to stop listening to this album, you know, in isolation. I'm going to I'm going to like revisit it more now. All right. Then we get to the uh, far flung future of 8-14-2016. Like this has definitely got to be a science fiction future. Thing. Mm-hmm. Does any does anyone else feel like this riff? And I mean this with up, utmost compliment because I love this riff. This is my but, least favorite song. <laughs> just this, it feels like Asa's riff almost feels like a like a continuation of some or like a branch out from that axiomatic riff. Um that's what you it's know, definitely um, in, in the same family, yeah. Yeah, same this family. Could have been on, this could have been on sound and time. I feel like mm-hmm. that sound mm-hmm. and time feel to it. Yeah. It gives me like when I when I hear it, when I listen to it, because you know it's got that. I don't, I don't know. You like I said, you guys are the musicians, but it's like almost like a slide guitar effect with the amp turned up to eleven. This reminds mm-hmm. me of something that Paul Leary of the Butthole Surfers would have would have wrote, like some of the er- earlier material. As a musician, I would like to tell him that the amps don't go to eleven. Really <laughs> oh no, but mine, but mine, mine does, Scott. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. yeah, mine does. So I d- I don't hear slide, but I do hear what you're. He- what you're getting at in that I never noticed until the very last time I listened just now before the show is that one of his riffs does kind of start to morph into this dying, uh, distorted blues type of riff, mm. which is weird. Mm-hmm. Asa never yeah. plays blues type style and he does on it. Yeah. There's even a hidden guitar. I'd never heard it before, but on headphones, on the remaster or whatever, you can hear this kind of clean boxy sounding guitar underneath everything so mm. weird i mean it really isn't my favorite song it's not my least favorite what did i write i i wrote more lizard funk on bass like, <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs> lizard funk yeah it's a new genre of music scott okay all right yeah integrity plays it <laughs> oh yeah yeah and with asa well lizard testing. music was one of my favorite books as a kid so what's that you ever read the book Lizard Music? By really good by D. Manus Pinkwater. Are you just well, fucking just around? Like, I am not. <laughs> I'm not. It's a great book. Oh. It's about a kid that stays up after there stops being anything on television and it's just static. But then after that, some like a bunch of lizards come into the TV station and they have like a jazz band. And it's like it, the whole the story is him trying to get to the this to see this lizard band. It's really it's a great book. 
It was one of the first books they told me it was. What are you talking about? That's what I'm talking. That's what I'm saying. They played lizard. They lizard funked it up in there, man. (laughs) It's a a very jumbled baseline. It's like a jagged jumble baseline. Yeah, it's too busy. Yeah, yeah. But it it kind of works, but it kind of doesn't. Yeah. And and Asa is like really test like going as far as he possibly can to test how dissonant he can be and still be and somewhat in tune. Like he's almost, you know, on the edge yeah. of just kind of losing cohesion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Easily the, no- the the noisiest track yeah. on this album. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, there's some great lyrics. This is a, definitely one that's that kind of gravity's rainbow by way of uh, Philip K. Dick style mm-hmm. lyricism. Like so crazy uh, sci-fi. Yeah. And some, some I felt like I, I heard some like anti-consumerism kind of anti uh like all, all we crave won't save us um anti-vax kind of stuff yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's some really good strong stop the steal kind of stuff going on in there <laughs> um, um, oh I, I like the it, it's so good i like where it becomes a little bit linear uh, of a scene of in the two-way cage of a laboratory in the sub-basement beneath the official union barbershop where those who are sometimes called pigs get shaved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> and wow. nothing comes to the faithless firsthand. Uh, so that's a perfect line. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you might ask me what, which is the next the song. The next song is. <laughs> This is the kind of professional podcasting you wouldn't have been able <laughs> to do right. in the first couple episodes. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I don't uh, like this song. Are you kidding? This me? is my least favorite. No, wow. seriously. Wow, no. you've got a Makai on this song, and it's really yeah. favorite. <laughs> Get off my wow. fucking he podcast! Can't, he can't save every. He can't save everything. <laughs> oh man, yeah. I really dig it. Yeah. What about you? I don't know. Wow, I can't. I can't like tell you why. It just didn't hit me. Uh huh. Oh. Okay, Scott, save us. So this is my easily my favorite riff on the album. Uh, you know, speaking it's such a good riff, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And like speaking relative to Lungfish, you know. Yeah. This is yeah. this is that very heavy, like me- borderline metallic riff. It gets into like this like repetitive lock groove. Mm-hmm. Kind of rem- reminds me a little bit of the r- of the riff that's on non-dual bliss. You know, not as good as that one, obviously, because that one is like God tier. Yeah. but you know this is less ominous sounding but it definitely it rocks pretty hard you know you're closing when i close my eyes and listen to this song man that's like i'm riding these like or like surfing these like huge like audio waves man i'll spend more time with it but i in my notes it's the one that i wrote the least about and i mm-hmm. and for some reason it didn't hit me yeah uh, uh, fair enough but yeah. we all have a different we all have a different one right on this yep. record. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's cool. true yeah i like that I feel like I got yelled at the most for the, not liking this one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, for good reason. Yeah, but... yeah, yeah. I'm, I think most, he... I'm the most wrong. Yeah, the most yeah. wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I like it. I and I love just his lyrical kind of play on it, like the way he mm-hmm. phrases everything, and then yeah. it really builds up by the time he gets locked into that locked out sensation. Like everything from then on just really gets moving. You know, of course, with the outro with with Alec, such so a good barn burner at the end. Yeah, 
I mean, it's about as like traditional, like hardcore as like lungfish gets. But, yeah, uh, yeah. Whatever get again. Yeah. Yep. Whatever get again. Like a, just like a rousing anthemic ending. Uh, mm -hmm. So yeah, it's fantastic. And then, if either of you think "Seek Sound Shelter" is their least favorite song, I'm I'm gonna cut your audio right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that song. Um, yeah. It was, uh, that was perfect sequencing to make it last too. oh yeah absolutely mm -hmm. yeah this um, song is like it literally helped make uh many days of the pandemic better for me like this song either would come in my head or i'd play it and just something so bracing and soothing about it and i feel like it's a transitional into passenstow too it's got mm -hmm. the pace of it and the flow of it mm -hmm. Yeah, and totally. that psychic, that psychedelic first thing that no one's yeah. gonna hear but me. But, um, <laughs> Scott, um, Scott, I had the same. I had the same thing in my notes. Like it's a good preface to Pass mm -hmm. and Stow. I think there's a couple songs I wrote, like Washing Away and The Trap Gets Set. Like those two songs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very good. I don't hear Washing um, Away. I could see Trap Gets Set and uh, the one with the uh, the kind of more acousticy one, the other quieter one. Can't think of which that is on there. So, what did you guys? Pass and Stow is my least favorite so far, except for yeah, the, you're you're, you're wrong on that. Um... <laughs> <laughs> and this one is kind of the hit too because it's got that whole like rock and roll, like uh huh, uh uh huh. Well, I was gonna end. say too, like I mean, I, I might be this might be a case of me being a lazy student, as I said. But what do you think the lyrics are saying? It was kind of making me laugh because they seem like they're talking about like life's hard, man, but music will get you through it. <laughs> like a Boston <laughs> song or something. <laughs> like it's the obtuse version of Boston's rock and roll band. <laughs> but maybe I'm not, maybe I'm too stupid to understand what it's really saying. I mean, even just the name of the, the song is, you know, finding solace and sound. Hmm. I never thought about it in terms of it being about sound. I guess it is. I thought I took. Yeah. I, I I always heard it in the other version of sound, like solid. Oh, I like. Yeah. yeah, I like that thought, Scott. Because there's there's a great line in this song where he's my my second favorite line on this album is cruelty is a residue of all creation, mm. and um, you know, mm -hmm. like you said, kind of seeking shelter from that through the sound. I'm reading the lyrics I'm, right I'm, now. I am too. I'm, too. I'm trying to get back. <laughs> but then the next line is stand face first in the stupid wind. That's a weird. It's weird for him to use the word stupid. Yeah. He doesn't like the wind. <laughs> he's, he's got something against. And he talks about yeah. it for every time I start to holler. I mean, he's talking about yeah. making a racket, you know. Mm. Roll when choosing beauty from the beautiful. That's a, a tongue twister and brain teaser mm -hmm. line, but yeah. So stand face first in the stupid wind. That's yeah. hard to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel like he threw the word stupid in to make it easier to say the whole line, actually. <laughs> it's like an anchor in the middle. of. And I like the line too. Like it, uh, one of the keys to the song for me is I stand by waiting on an impulse that I am prepared to act upon. Mm-hmm. Well, I just pulled up the Boston lyrics and just see how they... Oh, my God, you're going to A-B them. 
that'd be hilarious. Well, we're just another band out of Boston on the road <laughs> trying to make ends meet. Mm. Playing bars, sleeping in cars, practice right out on the street. Yeah, the same thing. It's, it's pretty close. <laughs> yeah. Think, yeah. yeah, they're speaking the same. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Well, how about you guys? I love this album. Yeah, even my least favorite song, like, I'll never skip any part of this. As we've all said, it it's sequenced, I think, like, you know, I, I always have trouble with sequencing. And not mm-hmm. trouble, but I always have my own opinions about them. But first song, last song, couldn't have a more perfect one. Like you guys said, the first right. song on side two, perfect. And even the songs that are in the towards the end of side two are the perfect side two songs. Like they might not have worked on side one. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And I think, yeah, the, the production's not amazing. It's I don't think it's thin necessarily. It's just very compressed and... uh definitely of its time like that reviewer said i actually agree with that but i think the remaster helps it because i've listened on both my record the old record but also Bandcamp, which sounds very thin but then when i listened on apple music it sounded better actually so it's mm-hmm. it's interesting depending on where you're checking it out at mm-hmm. i was trying to see when something in a you're still looking up boston <laughs> I'm just on a, I'm actually doing, I'm on another, I'm on another podcast about Boston right now. (laughs) I'll be right back with you guys. I'm very, I'm a Renaissance man. (laughs) Um, No, I was just thinking about other things on discord that I don't like how they sound and was Mm. trying to see if there was a time period, but it's not really, it's. Yeah. It fluctuates. I agree. Okay. This is where we talk about, oh, first we have to talk about the graphics on this thing, the uh, super sharp imagery of the cover. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's bold, man. Just <laughs> going to put a blurry ass picture up. Um, <laughs> but it, it's it's like the ultimate, uh, like kind of what I was making fun of earlier when, when, when we were texting a couple weeks ago about the Discord's imagery, you know, like how oh, it went yeah. from, of course, sort of just like standard, like hardcore imagery. And then like in the early 90s in like their maximum rock and roll ads were always just like a black and white picture of like a plow in a field. <laughs> it was like pretty striking at the time because like everything else was yeah, so yeah. punk, you know. It was just so different. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was, so you know, they, they always had that, you know, they were a little more high minded. But this like takes it to that. To the extreme. It's, yeah. it's such an extreme. It's just like this out of focus farmhouse or whatever um yeah i mean i kind of like it but now that i look at it i'm so used to it now that i look at it i don't love the soft blue uh color and font for the uh, the font's not words. great now um you know i wonder if like scott i mean i know you you had you had sort of a punk punk big brother who told you not to like this record at first but I wonder if the art is part of why I I didn't pay attention to this particular record for a while. Yeah, I can um, see that. It's the, a very non descript yeah, picture. It doesn't really stick with you. It's a, it's not like, you know, a sound sound in time or like pass and stow where you're like, "Oh wow, these are really interesting images." It's just funny cuz right now uh, while my, my my band's banging her head trying to get all our art together for this album, I'm just imagining if I brought this to the table like 
<laughs> I wanted to be this. I be this. <laughs> I'd be like, what the fuck are you talking about? In that in that context of actually working on album art right now, and then looking at this album art and thinking, like, wow, I could, never, <laughs> yeah. I could yeah. never sell it. I couldn't sell this one to the rest of the people for sure. Um, I actually like the I actually like the back cover better, um, even though it's a, just a picture of a landscape that's like very out of focus. But I like the color scheme on it. The back cover makes me think of creation story. Yeah, that's yeah. That's what I visualize when I hear that song, actually. Mm -hmm. What were you saying, Scott? Oh, I was just wondering, does anybody know any trivia about like who's what house that is? I don't. I do know that it because of the other podcasts. When I talked to uh, Jason, oh, Jason, Farrell. Yeah. Jason Farrell about about all the covers, he uh, mentioned that it it was like something like Asa brought to him and was like, "This is the cover," and Jason's like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> you just want to yeah. use this, <laughs> it's right? Like, yeah, this is what we want. Don't mess with it or something, you know. So I don't know, but apparently it's it was part of his vision. I do like the way the lyrics are laid out on on an even blurrier version of the cover on the uh, <laughs> uh -huh. on the lyric sheet. The backside of that's really cool. I think of the record sleeve itself's yeah. got a once again a blurry picture <laughs> of the band playing a show and uh looking really bored hanging out on the terrace of somebody's apartment yeah not the most um inspiring look on their faces uh, for this band photo yeah I mean, they were just really leaning into the like uh nonchalance, nonchalance. avant-garde avant nonchalance yeah. the slacker yes. vibe right. yeah yeah i think yeah the in the inserts probably the uh or the inner sleeve is probably the best part of the graphics, but it's fine. You know, I'm so used to it. It's hard to even have any context, just like with any Beatles album or something. It's not like you really think about it anymore. It's just like your association is so built in. Mm -hmm. But anyhow, so we got to move this along. Where does this live in you guys' collections? All right, Brian. So before Longfish... I'm going to say this is probably my third favorite release on Ebullition Records. I have the Los Crudos oh, okay. Spit Boy yep, Split 12-inch, which came out in 1995. Uh, my first, my, my, my very favorite Ebullition release is the Downcast 7-inch, followed mm. by uh, your, your friend, uh, Brian uh, Sarah Kirsch, the Torches to Rome 12-inch. Mm. And that, and now, like you know, That's number good. three for sure, um, with the Los Crudos Spit Boy, amazing packaging. Wait, wait, wait! You didn't mention Amber M, my friend. That's number four. Okay, cool. <laughs> 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 no, but uh, that's cool. Although, so this brings up the question mm -hmm. that's come up every show the last couple. You'll hear it on the previous episode when I drop it in a couple of days. How do you? put your records together so if you've got jeff, your splits mixed in with your damn yeah regularly. yeah so <laughs> jeff jeff and i are very similar so the band that i listened to the most back in the day was los crudos so i would i, I filed them first now in contemporary times i've listened to spit boy nine times out of ten over los crudos mm. so if i if i bought this now i probably would file it under the s yeah well and 
I was going to say, do you put your splits separate? Which is no. weird because I do my seven inches splits absolutely yeah. separate, but for my 12 inches, yeah. now that I think about it, I don't. I do what you do. So, yeah. yeah. I, with my splits, I just keep them in my general population just because my my record collections are pretty modest size to be honest mm -hmm. with you i sold a lot of it regrettably like 20 years ago yeah i did um, too yeah so i'm like just slowly rebuilding it buying all the classics that's pretty much what i buy now mm. um but yeah uh amazing amazing 12 inch uh incredible packaging great yep. lyrics the whole deal um, oh, what's on the other side on the other side majority of one representing Whoa. Yep, Toledo, <laughs> Ohio. Now, full full disclosure, man. Um, I've been thinking about that band because I had like a demo tape or something that I ordered yeah. from MRR when I was a kid. Of course, and I, and I loved it. But like, so um, Scott, so the guitar player, one of the guitar players, uh, is my former employer, and the other guitar player was the best man in my wedding, and I was the best man in his wedding. Oh, so. Man. My opinion of them is very skewed. Obviously, I love these guys. They were a huge, huge like instrumental force in getting me into hardcore. They introduced me to a lot of great things. And, you know, that friend that I referenced earlier in this episode who introduced me to Pass and Stowe, the, one of the guitar players in this band. Mm. So, and That's crazy. Uh, yeah. And a really cool thing about it is actually kind of funny, very forward thinking um, marketing. And you guys, you guys probably can't see it very well, but they slap MRR. Yeah, <laughs> MRR. And they actually, they actually got a really good review in MRR. Uh -huh. And is that so, on, is that on streaming and stuff? I don't think it is. Is it? I'm not sure if it's on streaming. To be honest with you, because it's not on Doghouse. It was released on First Strike Records. See, I think I had the cassette that was on Doghouse. That that rings okay. a bell. Yeah. How do they, I? How can I hear that now? Can you get it for me? <laughs> oh yeah, I can, I can get you the whole discography. I can get you some yeah. of those demo tapes. One thing, yeah, because I was really happy with what ended up next to my record, but I only okay. got what was after it, not what was before it, because I ran in the other room and I oh, forgot. To get okay, it. okay. But it's the the link. Oh, These are not yeah. full colors record, which is such a good record. Yeah, very yeah. jangly K records. Then it was Sam Jane who passed away hmm. last year, year before last. Did a lot of work, I think, with Modest Mouse, but he did the Love Is Laughter. And I really like their first record too. But this is a great record. I wasn't record. a fan of them, but I loved Link. And I forget about this. I forgot about this record. So that was cool yeah. that I just saw it. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. I don't have that. I I might have it on a because I might have it taped, but I have like at least one seven inch. And I don't think inch. this record's on platforms either. Mm. Although I think now, but... I think Numero is doing stuff with Link or something. Yeah. It could be wrong. But yeah, Link were great. So we've done many, or at least a few long fishes and at least one other band that was very close by. So I had to go so many records out from next to what it would have been. So where one side is Low, oh. the band Low, Secret Names. Mm -hmm. Great band. I saw them a couple of times and loved them back in the day. Just kind of wrote them off and didn't feel like I'd ever be in the mood for being that depressed again. And, <laughs> and, and then, uh, eventually rediscovered them, much, you know, not too, too long ago and love, love all their stuff. But yeah, great band, sad loss of mm -hmm. Mimi Parker. Then the other side 
or I should say the first side, that's the other side, Mandrill, their first album, which they're an amazing uh, Latin heavy funk band, somewhat psychedelic from the early, late 60s, early 70s. The early stuff's very adjacent to kind of funkadelic early material mm-hmm. as well, kind of rock, but also heavy, heavy funk, a lot of percussion. So, Well, I'm fairly certain that on the other side was the band Life Sentence. Remember that? Oh scene? man! Yeah. Oh, yeah, so that band was incredible. Yeah, yeah, I saw those. That was, like a, that was one of those bands that I like bought the record because, like, when I went to see COC, they were wearing their T-shirt, mm-hmm. like that kind of thing. A lot oh, of bands, yeah. a lot of a lot of records based on other bands wearing T-shirts. Yeah, yeah. One That's of the good. first one of the first demo tapes I ever bought from a band like in person. Oh really? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's and cool. they they put that stuff on Bandcamp like two years ago. All that oh. life sentence stuff because it was just invisible. Like, you couldn't find anything on the internet. Yeah. Cool. Tox- another toxic shock. Another toxic shock order. Did you guys ever use toxic shock? I never like used them. I always saw their ads. And oh my god, really, I, that... I always yeah. liked a lot of the bands that were on there. Well, they had a distribution catalog. I mean, I got a lot of oh, Discord stuff. Right, them, so. right. Mm-hmm. That's right. Um. Cool. Well, we don't have an interview this episode, so let's take a pause and we'll jump back in Stand by, waiting. 
Here we are, guys. We're at the finish line, just about. Uh, this is the part where we tell people to check out the playlist on Spotify and Apple Music. Goes by the name of Scott Sheridan. And Don Dan, the ever-evolving Discord mixtape. Yeah, you got it. Yeah. Our pick today will bring this streaming mixtape to 206 songs, which is over... 10 hours of music and brian with you kind of like moving up in the world at uh trader joe's you know maybe you can get this played at your place oh jesus uh, yeah. that's <laughs> well, well, well business will bottom <laughs> yeah can't wait till that S- <laughs> once that soa song comes on everybody <laughs> exactly everybody loves the snakes um yeah <laughs> So, yeah, we're going to add two songs to it today. Figure out how to do that. How are we going to do that? I guess we have to do it as a group consensus. Two songs. Abraham Lincoln and uh, and Creation Story. I'm down with Abraham. Creation too much? It might be. I mean, it's not too much, but let's see. Let's I mean, see. 100%, 100% has to be Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, I agree. For sure. Yep. I mean, I'm not asking. No I'm not asking. Um, <laughs> strong demand um, i know the creation um, story is it's not a long song it's no it's not i mean it's longer than like any of my songs but the the only other contenders i would argue for would be instrument or seek sound shelter it can't be the last song and abraham lincoln because they're two they're in a similar vein i feel like so between instrument and creation song what do you say Scott, share. Let's go instrument with Abraham Lincoln. And I, it's not a diss of creation because 
I, that's such a standout song. It's just so different for them too, though. Yeah. So maybe, yeah. Cool. Well, awesome. there it is. We did it. Mm -hmm. And with that, oh, uh, just I always forget to say, you know, we do have a Patreon. It's just about supporting the show. If you want to, this takes a lot of work. You listeners see it's a lot of hours <laughs> every episode. Just uh, quadruple that for editing and much less anything else. It's it, A lot goes into it, and I do it for free and have for long. But if you want to help support it, hit us up on Patreon. We uh, have some extra bonus material on there. Not a lot these days, but there is some extra interviews, a couple extra shows. There's Zoom meetups every other week. We're talking about the Don Ziantara Inner Ear book currently. We're going to talk about that this Sunday. And uh, yeah, what else do we do? There's something. Oh, we have a Discord server that's always active. Tons of music talk day and night because folks in Europe and US going at it all the time. So good community. Be a part of it if you want. But other than that, what do we got going on for the next episode? What's the next release we got coming, Scott Hicks? I don't know. <laughs> I can find out, though. I'm going to edit this so it sounds like I just know. Uh -huh. yeah. Well, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, clearly, that would be... Oh, my God. Okay. The suspense is killing. Are you really going <laughs> to... You're really gonna do Scott, this whole catalog, Scott. I can give you a hint if you if you think you you can figure it out. No, try try me. Okay, a disease plus a wolf plus a what? Circus a wolf. lupus. Yes, you got it. <laughs> Good job. Plus a what? A wolf. Oh, a wolf. I see what you're saying. Yeah, I was just, I, a wolf. I I thought you wolf. were saying wolf like a dog. It no. says wolf. Yeah. yeah. That's how they do it in the Midwest or wherever it is that you are. Word, yeah. I'm in the Midwest for sure. Wolf. Werewolf. There's a werewolf coming. Werewolf. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Circus Lupus. Awesome. <laughs> Solid Brass. Yeah. That one's a big one for a lot of people. I preferred the first album, but I definitely enjoy mm -hmm. some Solid Brass as well. For sure. I would love a vinyl repress of this album. Yeah, yeah. Of any of this. Well, we're going to get some <laughs> well, yeah, circus anything. soon. Yeah. But yeah. Right. All right. It's been a pleasure, guys. Uh, awesome. Nice one to of you, Scott. One of you, Scott's, were, was really good. And uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, thanks so much. And just, Yeah, good uh, to see you, Brian. Yeah, you too. Uh, always. How do we end these things? Oh, uh, Scott. Uh, Scott, I want you to say, Craig, take it away. Craig, take it away. And don't